All right, everybody, welcome to the Voice in the Pen podcast. Emily and I are super stoked today to be talking with Sam Hatch of the Hatch Brothers. It's good to be here. Yeah, welcome, thank welcome. you. Yeah, you're a Wilmington native, right? <laughs> I sure am. I mean, to be honest, I think that you might be the first Wilmington native that we've talked to That's about on right. this show. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can relate. I grew up in a small town in South Carolina, and I'm not a native there anymore because I don't live there, but, you know, it's odd to run into us in those small towns like that. It's so bizarre. I, I, I keep having these conversations recently with a lot of people where I get looks of shock and awe when they're like where are you from and I'm like I'm from right here and they're like that's weird yeah. that's weird and not only are you a native from Wilmington but you're a native that comes from a musical family in Wilmington mm. so you guys have been like super in touch with the music scene for a long time absolutely so can you tell us a little bit about, about that like how did you wind up doing what you do what made you say I'm going to pick up a guitar or other instrument and write songs yeah, absolutely, for sure. My um, my dad is a classical guitarist, and he has a degree. He has a master's degree in classical guitar. So I grew up in a house where music is always being played, and it was so. It's so funny to watch baby videos, you know, young young videos of my brother and I on the VHS. And um, if if you don't know what that is, Google it. But. Um, <laughs> Looking, uh, watching those, yeah, (laughs) watching on the VCR, and it's so funny to see my dad like every Christmas or Easter or whatever getting us these these little music instrument gifts and being like, "Uh, uh, uh." me and Paul, like we like pick pick up like the little toy trumpet and we go, and then we go. And then we move on to like the toy car and, <laughs> and the the look of defeat in his eyes. Um, no, but it, it, it was so funny to to watch that he he always wanted us to go into music, but he never forced us. That's cool. And it was it was funny that my mom of all people was the one who who did force us. Oh, <laughs> she, is she a musician? She is. She is, and she's a wonderful musician, and she plays piano and she sings very well. And but she not 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 as a as a career or anything just she grew up singing and playing in the mm-hmm. church mm-hmm. and so she she was like you're taking piano <laughs> and when i first started piano i hated it Same. which i feel like it, yeah i feel like that's a pretty universal experience yeah, yeah, you know when when something yeah. like that is forced upon you you're like i have zero interest in this and I couldn't even practice five minutes a week. I, yeah. I absolutely yeah. hated it. I hated practicing to you. Yeah. <laughs> so this was like when I was like in, you know, fifth grade. I absolutely resented it. And then I didn't come back to it until I was in high school. And this is after I had decided to play guitar. Weirdly enough, I I, I wanted to pick up guitar because, and everyone in my age group can relate to this, there was this huge movement that happened called guitar hero yes <laughs> which inspired so many people that i yes. know personally where they were like i want to play guitar and i was one of those people because i would come home every day and practice guitar hero i'm so sorry that this is how the interview starts but <laughs> i would come home every day and i would practice on guitar hero for hours because i loved that game and i really loved the music and it was so funny because i i grew up on classic rock because my dad absolutely loves classic rock but it was it was it was funny to grow up in two different worlds where my in my dad's car he played classic rock mm-hmm. he played modern rock he played um classical music so he's like an omnivore of music absolutely like, so i was getting exposed to jazz i was getting exposed to classic classical music i mean i we you know my dad would put on holst the planets mars 
and we're listening to that and you know and i'm in the back seat like doing the big drums <laughs> and, yeah i'm like this is so awesome um and and then in my mom's car she's listening to the top 40 pop you know pop hits yeah. you know so i'm getting a little bit of that britney spears i'm getting a little bit of that you know backstreet Insane. boys yeah. yes exactly i'm gonna and, date myself and say belinda carlisle yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I, I, I grew up in those two worlds. And so it was like, depending on what car I was in, that was what I was being exposed to. But I still, I, I think that was a huge influence on how I play and write and think of music. Yeah. Is that I'm, I'm constantly thinking of all these different genres and blending genres. And I, I'm not, I, I don't like to box myself into one feeling or one idea. Yeah, I mean, so it's been interesting watching you on The Voice in the Pen, right? So we see you perform as a solo musician and see what you've written. But then we also see these collaborations that have kind of come out of that and how you've worked with people on arrangements and changing things musically. You know, so fast forwarding a little bit, you've guitar hero god <laughs> and then you know formal music school training in mm. college you went to campbell for music school right and now you're out there in the world being a professional musician and writing and creating and producing and doing basically everything you can do in the music industry it seems like i feel like to 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 be a full-time musician to to do what a musician does full-time you have to diversify Mm -hmm. That's what I, I have students who ask me, you know, how do I become a full time musician? How do I do music full time? And I say, don't don't specialize. Don't lock yourself into one thing. Mm -hmm. You know, be willing to do anything and everything. And if somebody says, can you do this? You say yes. Mm -hmm. And then you figure it out. And, and then now you can put that on your resume. Um, so I, I just to just to kind of fill in the gaps a little bit. Yes, I, I I grew up singing in church, and I, I grew up, um, a, a, you know, guitar hero and and uh, taking piano lessons that I hated. But it was high school where there was a transformation that was beginning to happen in my life, and then it was college where that transformation was complete, because my path had kind of already been determined for me, mm -hmm. where I was supposed to go into pre med. I was supposed to be a doctor. I wanted to be an anesthesiologist. I went to Campbell for that reason. And there was a few huge things that happened in my life that drastically changed the path of that. The first thing that I would say is the, the most influential for me was my grandparents both had Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And so I and I took care of them for years, years and years and years. And my grandmother played piano. And I grew up listening to her play piano, and she was the she was the piano player at our church, our little country Baptist church. Mm -hmm. And she played by ear, couldn't read a lick of music, mm -hmm. but she could pick out a tune, and she could tear up the keys. I mm -hmm. mean, she was a phenomenal gospel country gospel piano player, at ragtime piano. So, like, really could really play the hell out of those keys. Um, or play the heaven out of those keys. <laughs> That's a stupid joke. But anyway, um, she was an incredible player. And that was the last thing to go. Mm -hmm. she, she couldn't remember me. She couldn't even remember her, her, her kids. And it was this slow death that I watched, mm -hmm. um, watching this person slowly fade away, who, who I, I loved very dearly and I was very close with. And there was a lot of 
turmoil and tumultuous times in my household as a kid. And so we always, anytime there was any kind of trouble in the house, we always ran over to my grandparents. And I always would take solitude and, and my grandma. And my grandma would famously say, proclaim, I raised you. And it was very true. Mm -hmm. It was very true. And I, I loved that woman very dearly. And so watching her slowly pass, um, all her memories fade. But the last thing to go was music. Mm. And that was amazing. Yeah. She would be having a really bad day, nonverbal, and then she would sit down at the piano, start, everything was there. She knew all the lyrics, she remembered every note, every chord, and then afterward would look at me and go, I love you. Mm -hmm. And that would be the first thing that she would say that mm -hmm. day. You know, the nurses would tell me, oh, she powerful. hasn't spoken all day. Mm -hmm. um, she doesn't want to eat, she doesn't want to do anything. And, and then she plays, and then she goes, I love you. And I go, I love you too, Grandma. And she goes, and I love Jesus. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, absolutely. And, you know, and then I give her this big hug. And then she wants to talk. Yeah. And then she would, and she would just. Would she become and, lucid after that and be wow. able to be present? It was, yeah. it was this amazing. It, it was like the synapses were like being healed yeah. by music. Yeah. And, and then, you know, the next day was like a reset button, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But it was this. That had a huge effect on me. And I realized, like, I love music that much, too. Mm -hmm. That I, I, I want to give my life to music. And then after that, I remember being in college, and um, I, I had been in the, in, in the medical, you know... Uh, track or pipeline or whatever. Exactly, yeah. the track to the medical. And for a few years, I was, I was three years in at that point, which is not the time, by the way, to, to decide that you don't want to do the thing that you're doing. Thank um, God you came from a musical family. <laughs> it took some convincing. We'll put it that way. It took some convincing. Um, and, but I, I remember I had this chemistry professor, and he, he I, I don't know if he knows how much of, uh, an, of an influence or an impact that he had on my life, because I had this chemistry professor who was very much... A brilliant man who you were a number in his class. Mm -hmm. And he did not acknowledge you unless you, it wasn't enough that I had A's. You mm -hmm. had to have A pluses mm -hmm. for him to take notice of you. I was a number. Mm -hmm. But I remember this chemistry professor, the first time that he acknowledged me in his class was when he came up to me. This was in our lab. And he goes, You sang yesterday at that event yeah um the, the the you know the sports event and i was like yeah and he goes you did the solo you're with the acapella group and i was like yeah and he goes that was phenomenal and he was like boy i wish that i could do what you do mm -hmm. <laughs> and i was like what and he goes you're you're wh what do you want to do and i was like i, I want to be a doctor and he goes <laughs> What are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, he goes, if I had an ounce of the talent that you have, I would, I would do music in a heartbeat. Yeah. He goes, I, I would ease, I wouldn't want to be doing this. Yeah. I was like, you are a doctor in a respected field and yeah. you, you're teaching at a university and you, I'm like, what are you talking? And he goes, 
He goes, do you play instruments? And I go, I do. And he goes, what instruments do you play? I was like, I play guitar, I play piano. And he's like, (laughs) (laughs) he was like, he goes, no, I would trade my life for yours any day. Wow. And you never hear that. That's always like, like the musician path is like not what parents want you to pick. <laughs> right. You know, it's like you pick being a doctor. It's like, yes, if you say I want to be a musician, uh, mm, I don't think so. And that's, and it's, <laughs> and it's amazing because that's immediately what happened. I went home that day. I called my parents and I said, I'm changing my degree. I said, I'm going to do music. I'm going to do music and uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pursue it. So this was like middle of your junior year, beginning of junior year, end of junior year. Right. At, this was right at the. Yeah. So this was like in the middle of my junior year. Yeah. And, and uh, music was uh, it was my. Um, oh, Lord. Minor. Uh, the, the minor. Yes, it was my minor. And so I had already taken some music classes. Because that was my next question. I was like, how did you make up that many music classes oh, in three no. semesters? Thank God. Thank God. I mean, it was still, it was still one of those things. Thank God you came from a musical family. <laughs> it was still one of those things where I absolutely had to bust my hump to, sure, to make sure. up for that lost time. But, um, it, 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 and, and then immediately, uh, the, the whole world opened up to me. I had so many professors that took me under my wing that they had been trying to pull me into that program for so mm-hmm. long. Mm-hmm. But it was watching the chemistry professor. Mm-hmm. who That was just, that was the final push that I wanted, that I it's, needed. It's wild when you get that acknowledgement, encouragement, uh, empowerment for some, especially from someone that's not a musician. You know, you know, like other, it's great to get it from other musicians, but you know, not always are musicians your audience and your crowd, yeah. right? So it's such a universal language that when people hear something that they know is good, they could have no training in music whatsoever, and they still know it's good, and they still can recognize what's behind creating that almost innately. So that's super cool that you got that kind of encouragement. You know that that's a that's an, an amazing I'm story. I'm forever thankful for it. Sure. What's, who is the professor? You give him a shout out. Maybe he'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> right, Doctor Womack. Dr. Womack, I, I don't know if you will ever see this or if you'll ever know the impact that you had on my life, but Dr. Womack, you made that decision happen for me. Yeah. Uh, just that final push that I needed. And, and the, best, the best feeling ever was then going back into the fine arts building and telling my professors, you know, Dr. Morrow, Dr. Carter, uh, Dr. Whitley, you know, I'm in. <laughs> you got like, me. Yes, finally. <laughs> no, just the celebration of like, yeah, we got him. Because <laughs> they had been telling me for years, they're like, you've got something here. Mm. They're like, you know, it's it's not normal for someone to be this obsessed with music theory like mm-hmm. you are. Like they're mm-hmm. like, you really have a knack for it and you really love it. Yeah. And everyone and all the music majors hate it. So yeah. like there's something weird going on here. Yeah. Like you've got a brain for it. You know, you really like this stuff. So that's a that's a good point too on the theory side. That's gotta translate in to the arrangement work that you do that I was talking about earlier, mm. but also into your songwriting. So thinking about this time that we're gonna spend together, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is You've seen a lot of different songwriting methods, you know, and, and like you ask a songwriter, how do you write? And they're like, uh-huh. well, that, like it depends on the song, sort of. Right. But as you are working through theory and production and with students, is there, you know, some method or methodology that you find that's pretty consistently good? If like you're one of your students are like, OK, cool, I can play, you know, six, eight, ten chords on the guitar now, but I want to write a song. How do I do that? You know, what would your advice? That's that be? such a good question. I, 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 I stand by this method. Because it, it works for me 
so many times. I don't know what camera to look at. There we go. Oh, there's this camera pointing right at me. I'll, I'll look at this one. There's this method that works for me so often, and I, I love this method, is I write, nine times out of ten, I write a chord progression. Mm-hmm. I usually start with an interesting chord progression and rhythmic idea, right? This earworm that kind of gets stuck in my head. It, it can be a, a riff, it can be a chord progression, or it can just be a those things with a really strong rhythmic mm-hmm. idea. The point is, is that I'm setting some sort of foundation mm-hmm. to what mm-hmm. the sound is. Like a mood in a way. Yeah, exactly. And then on top of that, I hit the record button. <laughs> Key. Key. Yes. I hit the record button. And then I sing along to it. Mm-hmm. And it is complete and utter gibberish. And Just but like vocalizing it, almost? Yes. Yeah, it, not but even, it, not but even it, words necessarily. It, it works. Yeah. It works. I will be damned. It works. It's crazy you say that because you know, I've had a lot of different ways that I've written, but as I've gotten more proficient as a guitar player and more proficient as a looper, that's become something I really enjoy doing is finding a chord progression and a rhythm I like, laying that track down. And then just noodling over the top with the melody until I find a melody line that I like. Yes. And then singing that, vocalizing it, and then seeing if any words come. And if I if I really like it and can loop a, a like a coherent phrase, then I'll just leave the loop running and sit down and try and start writing lyrics. That's what it is. That's that's what it is. Is that you are you have found the foundation. You found the mood for the piece, mm. and now. What I'm doing is I'm doing more than a few things when I'm doing that. It, it allows you to find the melody that works, the, the melody that really works with that chord progression. You're finding a rhythmic content for the melody as well. You're finding a rhythm, a strong rhythmic presence as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. And then you're also, most importantly, in my opinion, you're finding the vowel content mm-hmm. that you want, that feels right over that because certain songs have a certain vowel content where um, some songs it, it sounds more right to have those darker vowels right the more open mm-hmm. open darker vowels and then some songs it feels more right to have those really bright small vowels yeah right okay and 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 you start to piece those things together and then you're figuring out the sound of the words that you want mm-hmm. the sound of the words rather than the actual words themselves and Every single time I do it, also, there's always this moment where I, I'll be listening back to the recording. That's also a really important part. Listen back to the recording. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, staying and, organized. <laughs> and, and when you're listening back, oftentimes there will be something that sounds like a word or a phrase that I'll sing in a moment. And I go, that sounded like I said this, and then there's an idea. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll build the whole song off of that one idea. I go, that's a really good phrase, or that's a really good word. Mm -hmm. And then that can give me the whole song content just from that. Do you ever wind up like in reverse order where you come up with like a lyrical hook? And I think the best example I can think of right now is a song that I'm kind of obsessed with by Ethan Hansen. I don't know if you know Ethan locally, but he has a song called Man Overboard, right? So he Mm, has taken this phrase that is really common. Right, and then he's turned it into a love song that he's a man overboard when he's around 
her, you know, that oh, kind wow, of thing, yeah. you know, and so it's interesting to me to see sometimes the lyric comes first and then you can, you know, have you ever written that way where you have a lyric hook and then you create a mood like, oh, I like this. I could use it differently. And here's the feel I want to create. Because when you have that theory knowledge, you're like, oh, I can do all I can create any mood I want to. Yes. No. So that's that's it's a really cool challenge to do that as well. I, I, I and I, I view it that way as a challenge when a challenge to myself. Because I, I never want to feel like I'm always taking one path to mm -hmm. write songs. And so I would definitely say eight out of ten times is that other method. But I certainly have songs where I start with a phrase. I start with words that just have come to mind. Mm -hmm. And then I build a mood around that. And that's oftentimes when I'm writing compositions um, for film mm -hmm. or film or short like short films or animations because I've written I've written orchestra uh, orchestral instrumental music for those kinds of things yeah, like as scoring. well yeah exactly scoring and I I've done that as well and all you have to go by is the dialogue yeah yeah and <laughs> so a dialogue and an image now what do I want this image to feel like <laughs> right and so it's it's cool that to take that approach as well when it comes to songwriting yeah. I would say the surf in the sky started with Surf in the Sky is a song by the Hatch Brothers, um, a group that I'm involved with. And I would say that song came from lyrics first. Yep. Lyrics first. Okay, okay. I, I had this paragraph. It was like inspiration struck. And I, I just started writing, 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 writing in my notes app. I'm, I know I'm doing this, but it, it was more like this. And, uh, and I, and Can I, relate. I, I had about, <laughs> I had about a, a solid paragraph of of writing and it, it just flowed out. I just, I, I, I fell into the stream of constant consciousness. I, I tapped into it, you know, like a, like a radio frequency, mm -hmm. just tuned in just downloading. To, <laughs> yes. Yeah. The tuning into the universal flow and, 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 and just boom, 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 boom. And then like, what, what is that musically make me think of mm -hmm. what, what, what chords and what ideas, uh, can be built around that to convey that. I think I told you, um, I sent you like a message I had taken, I was t telling you about it too, the Songwriting Academy um, like school seminar, yeah. uh, school song. No, it was a different one. It was just called the Songwriting Academy. And I, and I messaged you about it because he was like, the guy was like very adamant about not writing, um, not writing a song or a melody or anything until you have, until you know exactly what that song's going to be about. And I found that very interesting. And I think your response was like, huh, like, hmm. That's different. Because, <laughs> because I don't think that I could write a song. I think that there's so many different ways. And, like, I don't think that you should necessarily just be like, well, I'm not going to write a song until I know exactly what it's going to be about. Because mm. sometimes you figure it out by writing. That's a cool story, right? Certain to say things. that you didn't know. It's like a writer who's writing a novel and they don't know the ending. Yeah. Until they get there. And I think that's a cool right. I think that's a cool thing. I, I yeah. can totally relate to that because, you know, people have asked me sometimes, like, where do you get stuck in your writing? And like and it's usually when I can't figure out where I want the song to go. It's like you it's like musically and lyrically you build this tension, right? And then you have to release the tension somehow. 
And I'm like, okay, so do I want this to be like a happy song where the protagonist like overcomes and is encouraged and empowered and lifted up and does amazing things? Do I want it to be a heartbroken song? You know, what? how do I want the flavor? And that's always mm-hmm. the pivot point for me is like, well, what, what, what am I writing here? Like I got these words <laughs> that go together and I got this sound that goes together, but what am I really trying to do with this? You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's I think it's so cool to when I, I, I think that's why songwriting circles and uh, light voice in the pen, I think that it's so instrumental to the the culture of a city mm. of a mm-hmm. culture of songwriters because it's it's so cool to see people that I can tell when I'm listening to the song that they have a different approach mm-hmm. I can tell the lyricists from the 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 music theory nerds mm-hmm. because I can tell that the approach is different mm-hmm. I can tell that the approach is different I uh, the and and I, I love and respect how we're all given the same 12 set of notes. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing what you can do with it. Yeah, and right. how wildly different the results can be. And it, it, I, I love the songs that tell stories. And I love the songs that tell stories with the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's... it's I, I usually I can tell just from a first time listen. Usually I can tell if you started with the lyrics or if you started with the chords or the bass or the riff or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I love it all. I yeah. love it all. Even though even though it's purely instrumental, um, the the song Cliffs of Dover comes to mind. You know, oh, so yeah. recognizable. Oh yeah. The whole thing is a story via guitar. And Eric Johnson's not a bad guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, good. pretty good. Some would say. Some would say. I've heard Very good. Right. Yeah. So fast forward to today, Hatch Brothers, you mentioned. Um, are you performing solely with the Hatch Brothers? Are you performing solo with the Hatch Brothers? Do like, What's your performance like uh, these days? I mean, and where yeah. are you playing? So right now, I'm, I'm performing a lot with the Hatch Brothers and putting a lot of my time and energy into it. We have a lot of new songs that we're releasing at the moment mm-hmm. that we've been working on all of last year. Mm-hmm. Last year it almost felt like a, a big hiatus mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, I was telling people like, you know, God, I, mean, I know y'all can relate to this, this uh, big things are coming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> big things are on the way. And everyone's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. We all have the sure confidence of a local band announcing yeah. big things coming. <laughs> yes. And, you know, we were telling people for like a year, for like a year, because we knew we knew working with Trent at Hourglass Studios, who you all have interviewed before. Yep. Um, working with him, we we knew that we are very proud of this EP project that we've been working on with him. And these songs are gold. I, I think that we, we have uh, evolved as a group from the first record, because in the first record we, we, we didn't, it was just a collection of songs that I'd written over the course of five years. Sure. From being in college all the way through just getting out of college. Yeah. And there was no consistency to it. There was no th- thematic idea behind the album. It was just... I wanted to get these songs out because I had had them for years. It makes sense. You and, know, I mean, it's such a marker in time. Like, that's what recording kind of is to me as an artist anyways. Is like, this is where I was when I recorded these songs. And then you have to, like, release judgment about it and go, yeah. it's just, I've made the recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's done. If people like it, that's cool. If they don't, that's cool. But, you know, 50 years from now, I can look back and go, wow, that was my first album. 
maybe should have waited to record that. <laughs> but it's, so it's such a cool photograph. 12 right. bar grievances. Mm. Just wanted to um, say that for, for everybody yeah. listening. Thank you for that. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. And, and so a lot of that album is experimental and weird and strange. I, it, was a, it was a tumultuous time in my life, um, finding purpose, finding the meaning in myself, wondering if this decision that I made to change the whole course of my life was the right one. Yeah. And I experimented with a lot of different things, and um, it, it, was, it was a crazy time in my life. Mm. And certainly... Uh, wasn't sober for a lot of it. And so a lot of this just flowed out of me, this this weird, confusing time. And so a lot of those songs reflect that. Yeah. And and this album that that we are releasing, we're drip feeding it to people. You just we're, dropped Grenadine? We just dropped Grenadine, which yeah, I'm great tune. Su- oh, Holy I appreciate that. Thank tune. you. Yes, yeah. I was listening to that on the way here too. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. No, I'm I'm super proud of it because I feel like I finally understand production and I, I felt like that was a song where I really had I got to flex my new production chops yeah. of like how to produce and I, I know how to vocally produce now and and guitar you know produce with guitars and make it I, I was I was so eager for people to hear that song so yeah. thank you for that absolutely and so this this overall this new project this new album it, it it's a lot more cohesive and mm-hmm. I feel like we understand now the Hatch Brothers sound, like mm-hmm. what we are and and what we're going to put out there. Now we still, I still borrow from all these different weird genres, and I I can't feel, I don't feel like I can really be put in a singular box. Uh, the next song that we're going to be releasing, it's like Black Keys meets Cab Calloway, which is okay. really weird. That's but, weird, but, it's, <laughs> but I'm super excited for people to hear that too. And yeah. so that'll be out with. Um, probably by the time that this comes out, um, that nice. song will be out. You don't know a thing is yeah. what that's called. Oh, that's cool. I mean, and that's a great like that's kind of back to that. That's a really common phrase, you yeah. Know, in a way, like you don't know a thing, like you know, or I don't know a thing. I don't know. <laughs> but it's I like that you've taken that and lyrics always grab me. I love the music and the lyrics, but like a lyrical trick is always a hook for me. Almost yeah. immediately, I'm like oh, that's a cool. I never. I'm, that's a cool way to think about those words. <laughs> Absolutely, like I, I, I love exactly what you're talking about because we have our biases and our preconceived notions of what that phrase means, mm-hmm. and then it's cool to watch it get turned on its head. And mm-hmm. you're like, I never thought to interpret it like that. Yes. That's really cool. You're cool. That's yeah. cool. Thank you for expanding <laughs> my mind. Yeah, exactly. Like expanding my mind, uh, changing the way I think about. Uh, these words and yeah. how we string yeah. them together. I feel like oftentimes we we fall into. This is where I, I do love the the lyrical analysis because I as well. I mean, so much of my life is spent with musical analysis, but I love lyrical analysis for that reason too. Of we use words and we really don't think about the meaning of them. We Boy. just kind of we 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 know phrases and mm-hmm. we use these phrases and then. But when we start to dissect the individual words, we it's like, what are we really saying here? Where did this... We, we just accept it at face value. We don't really mm-hmm. dig in. And so that's where, you know, when you're songwriting and every word is there for a reason, every word has a purpose, mm-hmm. you know, you really start to kind of think of it that way. Like, is is this... What is the meaning of this one word in this particular phrase? I, I love stuff like I, that. I love it, too. So we're going to have you play some songs for us. But before we do that, we definitely want to ask you, how do people find your music? Are you on all streaming platforms? Like, where is your music? 
plug that, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, I, I I have every intention of releasing a uh, solo project within the next year, which I'm really super stoked about. But as of right now, my original music is the Hatch Brothers. Um, I, I write all the songs. I write all the lyrics. And so it is a... It is uh, right now. It is the only um, public access to my brain at the moment, and so the Hatch Brothers is where you can find all of my music. We're on all the streaming sites. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. The Hatch Brothers official is where you can find all that. Okay, awesome. And then on the production side of it, you're doing production, so you got a studio or something, something mm. that you're working out of. You want to talk about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's another thing. By the time this comes out in the, the brand new studio, oh, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, Sorry, TK. <laughs> but by the time this comes out, I'm, I'm working on a, I'm building right now a, a brand new studio that I'm, I'm super stoked about. I, I want to, I want to spend more time in production. I want to produce more. I want to bring artists Creations to Life, Emily and I are working on some stuff right yep. now of yep. hers, mm -hmm. and it, it's, it sounds so good. And so I love being a producer because I love, I love people coming to me and saying, I have lyrics, I have chords, I know nothing of production. And I've had a few people sure. come to me mm -hmm. with that. You know, they, they have lyrics and chords, and they go, is that not enough? And I go... <laughs> Oh, honey, come here. All right, here. It's all good. It's all good. Let's get started. Because you, you start to realize how empty it sounds when it's recorded. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how when you're sitting in a room like this and you have a guitar and you're just singing, it fills up the room quite nicely and you don't feel like it's lacking in any way. But mm -hmm. then when it's recorded and you're listening back to it, it sounds so empty. It, it feels like you're listening to an empty room. Mm -hmm. And production is essentially just filling figuring out how to fill up that room, how to fill up the sound and make it sound as big as it possibly can so that it grabs an audience and, and, and doesn't feel empty or lacking in any sense. Yeah, and, when your solo acoustic guitar and just your voice, you're narrowing your audience down to people that really just, they want that. They're yes. looking for that. You yes. know? But the audience for like the bigger music intake, they, they want that. You know, The larger audience is like, I just recognize all the sounds. I'm drawn to that. <laughs> and Absolutely. I feel like Absolutely. working with you, like there's so many things that I've learned because just because you've like, you'll play something, you'll be like, this is like, like a pad, like this is like, here's like a song with a pad under it. And I'm like, I never knew what that was, you know? So it's like, I'm starting to listen to songs now and actually like pick out instruments. And it's really cool. Cause it's like in a way developing my ear to like, listen to you and see you work and add different instrumentation to the songs we work on for me, Thank which is really cool. It like really Thank brings you. it to life. Like I go in and I'm like, Oh my God, this sounds so good. Ah, you know? <laughs> Thank you. Well, and earlier when I said it, you know, being a musician is all about just saying yes to everything. That is how I got into production because when we were recording our first album, I had a lick of production experience, goose egg. And it shows because when we started that project, I didn't know anything about and the, people are going to cringe and I'm sorry, but I didn't even know that you're supposed to double track guitars. I didn't even know these things. Uh, this was not a world that I was aware of. And so I just jumped in and I said yes. And I was working with Mike Daniel at Audio Scribe Studios and they're in Whiteville now. And he's amazing. And he's taught me a lot of what I know. And he's brilliant. Um, but that was his first big project too. 
And so he said yes. I said yes. And then we were just figuring this thing out together. And so as the project continued, we, we were learning more and more and more with every song that we had accomplished. And then when it was all said and done, I was like, I really feel like I understand how to do this now. And I understand what goes into making a song sound like you want it to sound. Mm -hmm. You know, if, that I'm, if I'm hearing this artist and I want it to sound like this artist, I feel like I know how to pick it apart and put it back together now. Which is, that's all that production is. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody, you know, puts on your plate uh, a, an alien spacecraft and says, figure it out. Figure out how that thing was put together. You have no idea this technology or what it is, and you need to backwards engineer this thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what it felt like. Yeah. And and now, and that's why now I build alien spacecrafts for a living. <laughs> Thank you. That play music. <laughs> and speaking of playing music, we're excited to hear you play. And here's what I'm hoping for is that we're going to have you back on the podcast in a year or two years from now, probably because you're going to blow up so big after this album gets released that we have to book you two years out to right, like, fit you. into your touring <laughs> schedule. Thank you, thank you. But yeah, we're going to get you plugged in. or not plugged in, actually, because this is totally unplugged. We're going to get you set up to play some tunes for us. I appreciate so it. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much. This song's called Better For You. Pills don't please me, baby Not like you do It's what I tell myself, but it ain't true No, it hurts myself And I know it hurts you too Oh, baby, I've got to live a better man's truth The strings of my soul, baby, tarnished in rust The head of my heart drums covered in dust Well, what am I to do? Well, I'm gonna choose to be a better man for you A better man for you Oh, I want to be better for you Oh, I want to be better for you ooh, ooh, A better man for you I'm damned in life Well, sure damned in death I was sure was gonna be my last breath Twas the devil's food that I partook I felt conviction, my soul was shook Thief in my life, yeah, but I was the crook The strings of my soul, baby, tarnished and rust The 
Ahead of my heart drums covered in dust When I hear those trumpets sound at the dawn of truth I hope I hear the choirs of angels singing I was a better man for you A better man for you Oh, I want to be better for you Oh, I want to be better for you A better man for you Oh, I want to be better for you Oh, I want to be better for you a better man for you, for you, for you, for you. This one's for my buddy Harper, who uh, who's no longer with us. Uh, love him to death, and uh, I was actually thinking about him just a couple of days ago. Love him to death. Miss you every day, buddy. My friend, if I start calling out your name, will I hear your gentle voice or see your pretty smile again? It's been so lonely without you here. Will you help me to quench these tears? I know someday I'm gonna hold your hand But for now I'll kiss the atmosphere I believe that when I sing I can feel you in my arms I believe that when I play That you can feel my music in some way La-da-da-da-da-da-da-da Will I reach you, my friend? If I start calling out your name Will I hear your gentle voice Or see your pretty smile again I believe when I say I can feel you in my arms I believe when I play 
I believe 